Are you a Hawkeye fan living in Story County? Do you feel isolated, like you're alone in a maze of red? Well, you're not the only one. And that's why we here at StoryCounty.News have launched a brand new section of our website, From the Hawkeye of the Storm, which will feature our weekly podcast, Brada's Branded Thoughts, as well as other Hawkeye-related content for all you Story County residents who bleed black and gold, or if you live in western Iowa, eastern Iowa, or somewhere else other than Ames, and you're a Hawkeye fan, we'd love your support. All of our content is free, so again, give our Facebook page a follow, give it a like, and give our Twitter page a follow as well, at from the Hawkeye, at from the Hawkeye on Twitter. The more likes, the more follows, the more support we get, the more content we can continue to push out, and it's all free. It's from the Hawkeye of the Storm, hosted by StoryCounty.News, for the best Hawkeye content in the area. Week 157 of Brada's Branded Thoughts, and another podcast here on youtube spotify apple we are now on google podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts we're slowly releasing the podcast to different platforms and so we will continue to uh, broaden our spectrum so to speak as i'm joined by alex brado a frequent guest here on the show we are talking iowa reaction to the loss on monday to the Oregon Ducks in the second round of the NCAA tournament. I don't know where to begin, Alex. Um, I don't think any of us wanted to be here as people who follow the Hawkeyes through and through. And certainly looking back to the offseason with Luca Garza announcing he would return, um, the expectations were much higher than uh, what we got. And um, that's frustrating to me. Um, I, I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about this this evening, but Alex, just maybe uh, talk a little bit about your overall feeling now. We are two days uh, past uh, maybe the most disappointing day of our basketball uh, following lives. Yeah, I mean, I guess the main thing is it just feels like wasted potential. I mean, we knew that going into this year that this team was probably the best team that I know I've seen in my lifetime at Iowa and um, had the best player that I've ever seen at Iowa. And, you know, this was the year they kind of got screwed out of last year because of COVID uh, going to the big dance. And so we knew it was going to come down to this year for Luca and probably for, you know, this team's best chances and not that they won't be good next year, but um, this year felt like, like it was it, you know, and it was just disappointing because it felt like waste opportunities. And it, it also seemed like we already knew what was going to happen. You know, the way they lost was not surprising. I don't think to either of us. So just disappointing overall. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, you know, as fans and I, I try to take a half and half approach because I'm not a member of the media anymore. Um, but I, I like to cover Iowa from the, the standpoint of this podcast and so I, I look at this from a couple different angles. A, the emotional angle of being a fan, and B, like you said, the logical, reasonable uh, fan. And I, I look at what happened this year. They went 14-6 and six in the Big Ten, finished third. Um, so did fail to um, win the Big Ten regular season outright. Uh, they haven't done that in uh, decades. Um 
they did get the double buy in the Big Ten tournament, so I guess you can check mark a goal accomplished there. But again, failed to, to win the regular season, failed to not only win the Big Ten tournament, failed to get to the championship of the Big Ten tournament. I uh, did make it to Saturday for the first time in, again, I think like 15 years. 2006 would have been the last time Iowa was competing on a Saturday at the Big Ten tournament. And then again, for the fourth time, or excuse me, fifth time, but uh, the fourth time in the second round, Fran McCaffrey's team fizzles out short of the Sweet 16. If you are not following what I'm talking about, Iowa with Jared Utoff and those guys um, beat Temple in the first round, lost the following round. I believe that was the uh, Villanova loss. The Davidson team, uh, Aaron White in that squad beat Davidson, got pounded by Gonzaga in the second round. Um, and then, of course, Iowa also lost in the opening first four against Tennessee. Um, and then, of course, two years ago, we remember that game vividly, a game where they actually did compete, but not until the second half. They had beaten Cincinnati in the first round, dig themselves a 25-point deficit against Tennessee. And that was probably the biggest surprise if you look at the mean or the average of what this team does in the NCAA tournament. That was probably the biggest surprise, the fact that they sent that game to overtime. And that is still the closest Iowa has been to a Sweet 16 under Fran McCaffrey. I, I look at all of this, and again, um, I'm trying to be realistic here and also look at it from a perspective of this is a fan podcast. Um, I guess we, I've never really called it that before, but that's what it is. Um, again, didn't win the Big Ten se- regular season. Didn't win the Big Ten tournament. Didn't make the Sweet 16 Elite Eight or Final Four. I, I don't know how a person can say this was a successful season. What are your thoughts? I mean, if it didn't have so much expectation coming in, maybe you could make that case. I, I just don't see how you could possibly make that case. I mean, uh, they pretty much accomplished what they have in the past, like you said, and maybe less because they didn't even mount a comeback this time like they did against Tennessee. So, um, yeah, I would I would consider it a, a failure considering everything they had going for them this year that we haven't had in the past. This is um, a growing trend, and we've talked about in the past Fran McCaffrey's struggles in the Big Ten tournament. He's never He had never made it to a Saturday before this year. Now, they earned that double bye, and they made it to Saturday, so I give him that. However, Fran McCaffrey has never won more than one game at the Big Ten tournament. Okay, Fran McCaffrey has also never won more than one game at the NCAA tournament. How concerned are you? And, of course, uh, Gary Barta and this university just extended Fran just about a week ago. So he's here through 27, 28, I believe. Um, How concerned are you with the lack of ability to perform in the postseason? Because this isn't just one or two teams. And, yes, they've had uh, seasons where they're the 7 or the 10 seed, so they play a 2 seed in the second round. But this year there was the opposite. They were the 2 seed, and they still lose to a 7 seed. So how concerned are you about the long haul now with Fran and his inability to bring this team to the promised land come March? Very. Um, to me, I think you can only put so much on the players when the same thing happens year after year after year. And, um, you know, I wasn't impressed with the coaching Monday. Um, I think there's there's got to be some kind of a pattern here. I mean, Maybe maybe next year it'll be a different story and the pattern will break. Maybe it's just 
you know, extenuating circumstances, but I get the feeling that Fran has trouble because, you know, he, he's had issues in coaching defense in the past. And it seems like this year, you know, you get a team that catches on, or in fact, it was more than just one team, the second half of the season, pretty much a lot of teams were taking away the three. And when that happened, we saw, you know, a bit of a problem with Fran not being able to adapt to that, in my opinion, or the team not being able to adapt anyway. I think that Monday, um, going forward, I don't, I think something has to change. Um, I'm not sure what, but I think something has to change because this was really a Yeah, I, I don't really know uh, what's going to change. I mean, we've been talking about Iowa's defense for – this is going on year four. Uh, the year under Jordan Bohannon, Tyler Cook, their freshman year was abysmal. Uh, they were uh, – well, I shouldn't say that. Their sophomore year was abysmal. But even Peter Jock's senior year, defensively, Iowa left so much to be desired. They missed out on the tournament that year. And, again, that was 2017. We're in 2021, all right? Now, there was a lot written in late February, early March, about how Iowa had turned the corner defensively. They had vaulted from 130 in the country in efficiency, according defensive efficiency, according to Ken Pomeroy, to inside the top 50 over the course of a month, which, if you think about it, is very hard to do when you're talking about cumulative statistics over the course of the entire season, and they made up for 80 points of rankings over the course of one month. They were performing at a top 10 defensive level for the past month. Now, I had said early on in that stretch that I was fearful that what we were seeing was fool's gold because they had played Wisconsin twice. They played Penn State at home, who was decent offensively but not great. Um, They had played Rutgers at home. They had played teams that were not legit offensively. They were teams that will beat you, but they'll beat you on the defensive end. Iowa was playing – I mean, there's no question they were playing better defense. No question about it. However, I felt the rankings may have been slightly skewed. But we get to late February, early March, and Iowa plays at Ann Arbor and really is right there with the Wolverines in the first half. Holds, I think they held – Michigan to lower 30s for the first half. Struggled in the final 16 minutes of that game defensively. So that was a bit of a concern. But again, they had shown for 24 minutes of that game that they could compete on the defensive end against an elite offense. Illinois, in the Big Ten tournament, Iowa struggled to defend. Now, they gave themselves a chance in that game. They were within single digits with a few minutes to go. But again, not enough stops. But... The game at Ohio State, I think, turned all of our opinions a different way. They dominated that game thoroughly, and Ohio State, one of, if not the best, offenses behind Iowa in the Big Ten. So I think myself, I I had become a bit, uh, well, maybe overconfident, which is terrible to say when you look at the last four years, but it felt like they had turned a corner. Now, what happened yesterday, I think everybody can admit, what happened yesterday was Iowa went up against an athletic long uh, group of players that can all shoot threes, and that is a bad combination against this Iowa team. They cannot defend athletic guards. They cannot defend athletic forwards. Um, we thought, well, guards is bigger than everybody else. I'm not trying to act like I knew this was going to happen, but I said this earlier on prior to the game starting. I said, I'm worried about this matchup 
Uh, people thought it was a great thing that Garza was bigger than everybody. I don't think it's a good thing at all because Oregon was six foot six all the way across and long and athletic. I was six foot two with Jordan Bohannon. I'm sorry, Jordan, no athleticism there. R- significant athleticism to, to speak of. Connor McCaffrey loved the kid. He apparently had two torn labrums, which he found out after the game, which he's going to have to get repaired. Fredericks dealing with plantar fasciitis. Um, you got no Jack Nungy to spell Garza. Uh, Keegan Murray's by far your your most athletic guy who's part of the regular rotation other than maybe Joe Toussaint, but he's undersized. I just didn't like the matchup, and Oregon dominated Iowa on the boards. They dominated Iowa from three. Iowa had no answer. It was a thorough beatdown, Alex, and I think that's what's most frustrating is Iowa was never. I said it during the game. I had people texting me, wow, Iowa looks great. They're, they're scoring every possession. And I said, look, I've seen this I've seen this so many times. You know what this game reminded me of? It actually was almost the exact same. Go back and watch the Iowa-Gonzaga game in December. It was the exact same game. Yeah. Because Gonzaga's got long athletes who can shoot the lights out. They've got a guard in Jalen Suggs, similar to uh, – well, Will Richardson's more of a poor man's version of Jalen Suggs, but more athletic than Jordan Bohannon. Bohannon got shut down. It was the same exact game. And, again, Iowa was with Gonzaga early in the game, but the moment Iowa goes into a drought, when they're not playing defense, they cannot guard an athletic group like Oregon or like Gonzaga. The moment they get into a drought, whether it be a one-minute drought or a two-minute drought, it's over. And that's not an exaggeration. It is completely over, and I said that during the first half on Monday. I said they're they're scoring every possession – but the moment they miss a couple shots, the game is over. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I thought they did look good early. My feeling was that Oregon was just making everything. I mean, they had a lot of trash shots that just fell. And I felt like if Iowa could maintain that offense, that they would be all right. Obviously, that's the problem is not maintaining. But um, defensively, I didn't feel like they were that bad, to be honest, even throughout most of the first half. And... In the second half, um, you know, it seemed to me like Fran kind of went away from the game plan where he tries to put in his defensive team and, oh, now you can't score the basketball at all and you still give up 95 points because you've already dug yourself into a hole. It just seemed like bad bad coaching, honestly. And, yeah, I mean, the matchups, you know, I always had all year long. I think we see one other thing is, we didn't see Patrick out there, I don't think, at all in the second half. Correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, he was the guy. Him and Keegan are two guys that can match up with anyone because they have the length and athleticism and shot-blocking ability that nobody else really has. Um, Keegan stayed out there, but uh, Patrick did not. And I didn't. I don't remember seeing uh, CJ at all either in the second half. So he was obviously trying to go defense-heavy, which to me, well, didn't work. I mean, they just didn't have the firepower anymore, and they were already bleeding so badly. I just felt like if they could have made defensive production, they could have stayed in that game, and maybe something could have changed. Because honestly, I do think that Iowa turned a bit of a corner in the past couple months defensively. I, I thought they were better. Uh, maybe not as as much as those numbers show. It was probably was partially full gold, but I don't think it was 100% full gold. And I felt like Fran kind of went away from trusting his guys, um, you know, man-to-man and just going with different personality. Like, you're playing uh, Ulysses and Perkins in the biggest game of the year when we haven't seen those guys hardly at all. It just seemed 
seemed ridiculous, and I know he felt like he was had his back to the wall, I guess, in the second half, but I just wasn't impressed. Connor dealing with two torn labrums, and uh, I mentioned that uh, in addition to the fact that Jack Dungey was out with a uh, torn meniscus um, that he has had surgery on. C.J. Frederick reportedly dealing with plantar fasciitis. They need to get healthy. There's no question about that. They're going to have time to get healthy. Um, but it was very emotional watching Luca leave for the final time, knowing he will not be back. Um, there have been, and, and I'll be the first to admit this, there have been maybe three times in my life where I got teary-eyed with a sport, with a sporting event. And it wasn't because Iowa lost yesterday, but yesterday was one of those times. Uh, another one of those times was when Andy Roddick retired from tennis. And I think probably got teary-eyed when, when Dallas won the, the NBA title in 2011. Other than that, I can't really think of any other specific moments. Um, that's how much Luca has meant to this university, and it's just dif- disappointing that Iowa failed to, uh, like Luca said after the game, failed to go where they could have gone, where they should have gone. And uh, I, I like Jordan Bohannon. I don't have anything against Jordan. I think he lacks a lot, unfortunately, but he worked his tail off to become the best three-point shooter in Iowa history. And uh, we're, we're going to miss him. I mean, we're going to miss miss both of those guys. Of course, we'll have plenty of time to talk about it and uh, just disappointing overall. I will say this. If Oregon can play the way they played yesterday, again, I, I know it's against an Iowa team that didn't look very good. Um, I think Oregon can beat Gonzaga. I'm not saying they will, but I think they can. I think Oregon could be a team. You know, they flew under the radar all year. That's another reason why I was worried about the game. They're finally healthy now. Um, I could see them making a run to the Final Four. But we'll continue to follow March Madness. What I want to spend the last 10 minutes or so talking about on this show, Alex, is uh, spring football. We are back. And and almost feels I almost feel guilty talking about spring football. Uh, like it's a result of the fact that we're disappointed with basketball. Uh, and I think you could probably attribute some of that to the disappointment. But we have to acknowledge that Iowa football spring practice is beginning, I believe, this coming Monday or coming Sunday, um, reportedly beginning the last week of the month of March. Let's talk major storylines heading into spring practice because there were quite a few things that happened over the past three or four months that nobody's really been talking about because we've been so locked in to Iowa basketball. But now that Iowa basketball has moved on, although I want to give a shout out real quick. We don't have time to talk about it on our show this evening. Caitlin Clark, if you haven't seen this girl, go watch Iowa basketball. She's going to go up against Paige Bukers of UConn in the Sweet 16. She has got Iowa rolling and I think she's going to go down as one of, if not the best players in Iowa history, maybe Big Ten history. She is incredible. Uh, watch Caitlin Clark as she just absolutely put on a show yesterday against the Kentucky Wildcats. But uh, back to football. Um, major storylines, let's kind of run through some of these, Alex, and I'll get your thoughts on them. Uh, the big thing, I think, in the offseason was Kelvin Bell. Or excuse me, Kelvin Bell. That would not have been good if I had Iowa lost Kelvin Bell. But Derek Foster, Iowa's running backs coach, leaving for the, uh, well, now Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Tim Polisek, Iowa's offensive uh, line coach, leaving for, I believe, a coordinator position at Wyoming. And then, of course, you have uh, the hirings of Liddell Betts, who's, of course, a former Iowa running back, 99, 2000, 2001, that time period early on in the Kirk Ferentz tenure, played in the NFL, 
one of the best backs, certainly under Kirk Ferentz, maybe right behind Sean Green. Hopefully Tyler Goodson can get in the mix uh, as well. But Liddell Betts is going to be a household name, already is. Your thoughts on the hiring of a former Iowa running back and, you know, a, a guy who has got experience at the next level. Yeah, it's exciting to me. I mean, Iowa's not been a team, I think we've talked about this, but they've been a team that has based their identity on the run, but they haven't been the best running team um, really since Sean Green. Uh, they've had decent decent committee running backs, I guess, but they haven't been the best team on the ground, and I'm excited to see if maybe they can, you know, really solidify that identity because I think that their passing game suffers a lot when the run game um, isn't producing. So I'd like to see, I'm, I'm very excited to see if he can make a difference. Um, and of course, a big part of that as well as the hiring of uh, George Barnett, who is coming from Tulane, but spent a lot of time in the Mac. He's a guy who has really been st- stable in different positions. Now he did just get hired at Tulane and then accepted the job at Iowa. So, uh, you know, people saying, well, not real loyal there. I don't think that's an issue. If you look back to his early jobs, um, he's, he's coached at every level, FCS, FBS, high school. He, he's a guy who I think Kirk Ferentz obviously has a lot of trust in, given his track record. So you pair these two hirings together. I do want to talk about personnel on the offensive end of things. Um, I, I sat down with Mark Rogers um, this week of uh, Mark Rogers TV, the voice of college football, and we talked Iowa football. And, you know, the overreaching theme, I think, for uh, both sides of the football, defensive and offensive, there isn't a, a, a huge gap or a huge gaping hole that I can really locate from a position standpoint, which uh, that's the first time I've said that in a long time. Usually there's always a position where we're like, man, Iowa's got to completely reload. But if you look at offensive line, yeah, you lose Alaric Jackson, um, you lose Cole Banwart, but you're going to get back Kyler Schott, you get back Justin Britt, uh, Tyler Linderbaum was the biggest offseason announcement. Um, you get back uh, Jack Plum, who got time last year. Um, they're going to have to figure out who's going to play left tackle. It might be Luke Empen. It might be you know a younger guy, maybe Connor Col- uh, Colby or uh, even David Davidkoff coming in as a freshman. Um, but they've got a great recruiting class coming in at offensive line. Um, quarterback, you've got Spencer Petrus, who, although he struggled a lot of last year, he did lead them to six wins out of eight games and um, started to, to get rain that deep ball in towards the end of the year. We hope that that can continue, especially with the spring practice. Running back, Iowa loses Makai Sargent, but you get back Ivory Kelly-Martin. You get back Tyler Goodson. They did lose their big wide receiver in Brandon Smith. And you lost Amir Smith-Marset, but you get back Tyrone Tracy, Nico Regani, Charlie Jones. You get a couple really talented young guys this year, and Brody Brecht out of Ankeny, Arlen Bruce out of Ankeny, Keegan Johnson out of Nebraska. Um, and you lose Sean Byer at tight end, but you get back uh, Sam Laporta. And, of course, you've got Monty Potabom back at fullback. Um, Alex, am I just being overly optimistic, as I always am, or uh, is there not a, a big uh, – one position that really, really, really is concerning at this point offensively. I'd agree mostly. I mean, I I don't see any major hole. Um, There's plenty of areas that we just, you know, are kind of question marks, but we already have decent experience to back up, you know, knowing what they're going to do. I think, like you said, Petrus started to get it together. I got that feeling for sure. And 
the more time he spends, um, you know, the spring and just with the team, you know, he's going to become more comfortable. So I, I don't really see a big glaring weakness there. And, you know, the line I thought was quite good last year is a huge improvement over the year before. And I don't see a big downturn coming as regards to that. You do lose Chauncey Golston, but, or excuse me, uh, Alaric Jackson, but I, I agree with you. One bit, and again, this is all speculation. We can talk about guys that decide to give up football, basically. But uh, I was surprised at Mark Kallenberger's decision to walk away from football. Um, had an extra year, could have come back. He was a guy who was starting at right tackle much of last year. Um, are you surprised that Mark left the program? I know his brother Jack had the, the fallout with Seth Wallace, and maybe that played into the decision-making process for him. But I was surprised by that, given the, the, the need for a tackle to step up, especially a left tackle. Um, I, I Again, I don't know what's going on through the kid's head. I don't know what's going on in his life. I, that just surprised me a bit. Yeah, it did me. I mean, you never really know what's going on. And even if they release a statement, they're usually not going to tell you everything. So it was definitely a surprise. I mean, just kind of an out of nowhere, out of left field announcement. So, um, yeah, it was a surprise. And uh, another surprise, defensively, we move it to the defensive side of things. Um, Iowa loses Jimon Colbert. Um, that was a surprise to some, but Alex, I think I said this to you last year when he opted out of the, the COVID season. I had a hard time seeing him get his job back, not because he chose to opt out, but just because when anybody goes down with an injury or anybody doesn't play, oftentimes we see Kirk, he says, look, you fall behind, you fall behind, we're going to play the best guy, which I guess is a good thing um, for for a fan's perspective because you want to win games. Um and we saw Jack Campbell, Seth Benson really step up at linebacker. They do lose Barrington Wade. But Jimon Colbert says he's not coming back to football, whether it's a health issue. I know there's, he had some uh, scares, some unfortunate things happened in his family due to COVID. I won't go into details there. But um, what, do you, what do you look at when you look at linebacker? Did that decision from Jimon surprise you at all? It did, again, but... Like you said, you know, Kirk has the reputation and, you know, he's out, he's up front about it that, you know, when guys fall behind that, you know, it's the next guy up. And if a guy outplays the guy who's ahead of him, you know, he's going to get his spot. So um, it's not as surprising because of that, but I still feel pretty good about linebacker. I, honestly, I don't, I can't think of a single year as an Iowa fan where I felt insecure about linebackers, even though there's been years where we don't know what we're going to get, you know, Phil Parker just, makes stuff work. Um, I have had some concerns of the secondary, but it's never been with the linebackers. So I'm just not worried. And uh, cornerbacks, you get Hankins back. I think that was huge. Um, you know, uh, that, that's just monstrous for, for depth because he lost Julius Brents to transfer. You get back Terry Roberts, who just had a whale of a season last year on special teams. And you get Riley Moss back. I think you've got three guys there who you're comfortable with. Uh, I would guess Terry Roberts probably needs to still emerge a bit, but uh, I, I, the coaching staff just they just rave about him. Um, you get back Jack Kerner at safety, Kayvon Merriweather at safety, Dane Belton at safety slash cash. Again, along with Seth Wallace, Jack Campbell. The biggest question mark is probably defensive line, but as I, I said on Mark's show, I'm never concerned about defensive line interference because every time we get concerned about it, it proves to be, uh, even if it's not a strength, it's certainly not a weakness. And, yes, they lost Davion Nixon and lose Chauncey Golston, but you get back Zach Van Valkenburg. 
he announced he would exercise another year of eligibility. Um, you lose, uh, I believe you lose Austin Schulte. I have not, you know, some of these guys have been very, I don't want to say hush-hush, but not real forward about what they're doing. I did not see Austin Schulte participating in Iowa's pro day yesterday. Um, but uh, that apparently is a, is a departure. Um, Jack Heflin, another guy you lose, and that was surprising to me as well. Um, not to, to dog on Jack, but I don't see him as an NFL uh, lineman, right? Or, you know, defensive lineman at this point. Another year in the Ferentz system, maybe, under Phil Parker. So surprising that he lost. And they also lost a guy nobody's talking about. They lose Matt Lorbeck, Northern Illinois defensive end. Um, they lost him, and he had just transferred in prior. So they do have to, to rebuild at, at defensive line. But, again, they return Ben Valkenberg. They return Noah Shannon. Again, they lost Chauncey Goldstone, but they get back John Wagoner, Joe Evans. They've got probably four or five guys they're comfortable with on defensive line. Um, your thoughts on the defensive line? I just, I'm just i never worried about it anymore under Ferentz. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing with linebacker. I, you know, even if we have question marks, we don't – it seems like every year somebody steps up, and it's not that they're just solid. There seems like there's a star emerges almost every year, and sometimes that we don't even see coming, but there's always one of those guys, and at least one. And so I'm, I'm just not too worried about it. It's probably a bit arrogant, but as an Iowa fan, I think uh, there's enough evidence of that in the past that's probably not too far off base. And the third uh, player that uh, I'm aware of, the final player that I'm aware of, um, unless there's a surprising announcement that I missed, that decided to come back for an extra year is Caleb Shudak, uh, the kid behind uh, Keith Duncan. And that's huge because you lose Duncan. Um, but Shudak certainly has earned a chance to play. So he'll be the kicker this year. You get back Tory Taylor, who was one of the, the best kickers, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. Charlie Jones, I would guess, is going to replace Amir Smith-Marset returning kicks. He'll return punts as well. I mean, I, again, I say this every year, don't I? Do I say this every year? Don't I kind of come on here and I say, I don't know where the weakness is. But honestly, I mean, looking at this lineup, looking at this uh, team on both sides, this is the first year where I don't see a position of weakness. That's being honest. I'd, I'd agree with that. My problem is I don't see a huge position of strength. Um, I think we've had, you know, you lose Brandon Smith and you lose guys like that. I mean, I think they will be solid. I think it's going to be finding those stars. And, um, but yeah, as far as actual weaknesses, I, I'm not, I'm not worried. You, you know, with Iowa, you kind of have, it's more, you always worry about the ceiling of a team. It's not, it's not the floor. Uh, the floor is always going to be, you know, seven and five or whatever, and that's kind of the low end. Um, so, you, as an Iowa as an Iowa fan, I'm just kind of spoiled, I guess, in that way. But I feel like they're probably in that lower range unless they can find some breakout stars. So, I think that's going to be their challenge this year. I will challenge you on this though, as we as we are finishing up here. I, I get what you're saying about position of, of strength. Let's remember, though, that Sam Laporta, we were raving about him before last year. He is back, um, and we're finally going to get to see full-time Tyrone Tracy. And I will say this, that uh, we know that Spencer Petras has the body and the arm strength to be special. So if you pair those two together, you have the opportunity to be explosive offensively. Uh, or those three together, you have the opportunity to be explosive offensively. I think the biggest thing for me is still going to be that offensive line. If there's going to be a point where this team fails, it's going to be quarterback and offensive line. Um, but if those, I mean, again, offensive line looked great last year. 
If you can get the quarterback play where you want it, I think this team can be pretty good. And again, they don't have to play Ohio State this year. That's always a plus. And it looks like there was an announcement made today by the Big Ten Conference that um, this is a huge announcement, by the way. The rest of the 2020-2021 competition for the university in the Big Ten um, will be – fans are going to be allowed as long as it is um, acceptable to local government officials. So, Alex, that's the first step in a a road back to having fans in Kinnick this fall. Yeah, I don't see why that won't be a problem. or I don't see why that would be a problem. Um, Just the way everything's going, the vaccine effort's going so much quicker than I think most people thought. Um, I don't see any reason why we can't have a pretty normal uh, fall. So, that to me, honestly, that's the most exciting part. Is to me, you know, football is is fun to watch, but I I enjoy more, you know, hanging out and uh, it's more of the social aspect of it than it is the game for me. Agreed, and uh, we have lots of time to talk about Iowa football. So, uh, look, March Madness isn't over. Watch the Iowa women because Caitlin Clark is special. Monica Sinano is great. Kate Martin's playing well. That whole team. Um, it's exciting to watch. I, I know sometimes it's hard for certain people to get pumped up if, if Iowa gets out of the tournament. The men, they they lose early. Um, but there's some still really good basketball going on. We've got the NBA that's still going strong without a hitch, basically. We don't see too many games being postponed or canceled now, which we did earlier, so that's good. Like you said, the numbers have been going down. They kind of plateaued a bit. But, again, as we get more and more people vaccinated, um, we see we're going to see those numbers going down. You are vaccinated, right? You are halfway. You, when's your other vaccine? When you get the second shot? Um, it's in three weeks. It's the Moderna is a 28 day window, but you know I think in the period from 15 to 28 days after the first dose, you're I think the average is 90 percent efficacy. So once you're past two weeks past the first dose, you're pretty much good to go, in my opinion. So that's how I'm going to proceed. Uh, and again, more people will get vaccinated. Believe me, if we're not, if we are not back to some semblance of normal by August, when when fall camp begins, I think we have bigger problems. Um, so we'll just keep hanging on to that because we were here last year talking about this exact thing, and uh, here we are still. So we appreciate the support. Uh, again, if you have not done so already, find our podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Casts, Apple, Google. All of the above. Find our podcast, listen to it, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe to our channel below. We appreciate the support there. Um, we are continuing to innovate, and uh, this is a brand new channel. I mean, we've been podcasting for years, as many of our loyal listeners know, but the YouTube channel is new, and so we're continuing to try to iron out the glitches. We'll see how uh, how we come out with this video today as far as quality. We're going to keep trying to get things right to give you the best content and the best quality content possible uh, and uh, give you some Hawkeye talk, especially as we head into the off season. So Alex, thank you for joining us. This has been week 157 of Brad is branded thoughts. And this is from the Hawkeye of the storm. Go Hawks.